You're listening to episode 37 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll have our first part of the series, Guide to Running. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. I'm your host, Letty Lundquist, and I invite you to join me as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make every run a good run. Hey runners, and welcome to our newest episode. And hey Ryan, welcome back. Hey runners. Thanks for joining me. It's really nice to have a co-host. Oh, thanks. So today is Wednesday and we just got home from biking, Ryan. Did you have a good time biking? I did. How far did you go? Uh, 20 miles. Nice. Was I'm trying it? to do a Piggy's Revenge here in Florida, which is a race that's like 40 miles through trails and stuff, which isn't too far biking, but when you do it on trails, it's further. And so I haven't done that long of a bike in a while, so I'm trying to build up to it a bit. So it's kind of like a marathon. You're in the phase where you're supposed to do your long runs, I guess. Yeah. That's funny, huh? So I did 11 miles and it was on trails. I rolled my ankle once and I fell off of something. So two falls, but not too bad. I'm not limping anymore. So that's good. That's a win. Is that normal for you? It's no. about normal range? No, no. Usually I don't fall that much. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty slippery. I think it's time for me to buy some trail shoes. You did. You were wearing quite high shoes for all the rocks and ruts and everything else that you were going over. It feels nice and cushy though. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if I want trail shoes because I guess trail shoes are low to the ground and don't have as much cushion. And as you know, I just ended up, you know, getting rid of my plantar fasciitis very recently. So I'm kind of scared of, uh, re-injuring myself. Yeah. Instead you'll, you'll roll your ankle. <laughs> Fun stuff. Anyway, so um, today we're going to start our first episode of a series. So basically what happened is we asked the running community what they want to hear about in our upcoming episodes, and we got great responses from many of you. Oh, and uh, by the way, we have a Facebook group now. It's called We Got the Runs, and very often we post in there questions for potential listeners. So if you're interested in joining that, it's We Got the Runs on Facebook. But anyway, um, the main answer that we got that people want to hear about how to go about starting to run, or how would you phrase that? Beginner's Guide to Running? Yeah. So I thought about that, and it's very true. Um, there are many types of runners. Not everyone runs in college, and not everyone runs in their 20s. So a lot of us kind of fall into running. It's not like you wake up and you're a runner. So the experience is more like you do it once for whatever reasons. Your gyms are closed, or your friend talked you into it, or you want to do cardio to lose weight. So you do it, and then again and again, next thing you know, you might even sign up for a 5K. So you still don't call yourself a runner at that point, and... Um, you might not wear the right shoes or the right clothes or do the right workout that could benefit you. Um, you just kind of learn by going, right? Like you eat a big lunch and next thing you know, you go for a run and you learn. I shouldn't have had that big lunch, right? You should eat after you run. Yeah, you should eat after you run, but you don't really learn that until you go <laughs> for a run. Or eat the big lunch anyway. Before the run, you should eat smaller meals. Maybe. Yeah. Or, um, you know, then there's the other type of runner. So you may have been running for a while and over time you start realizing that you've learned a little bit here and there what not to wear and what not to eat exactly like that. So either way, 
Even if you're there, we decided to create a short series of podcasts along this topic. So we called it a runner's guide, how to run, and um, this might benefit you even if you're not a newbie. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some important aspects of running. First, the physical aspect, what to do and how to do it, when to do it, you know, the whole thing about running and how to get better at it. Then in the next episode, we're going to talk about fueling. We'll do another, another episode about the mindset, which is a huge and important part. And then we might do another one on injury prevention. It sounds good. I think a lot of the things that, you know, you might outline here could help people develop good running technique or good running habits, I should say, better. Yeah, and then if you have all of these aspects um, that you learn about and you implement them into your daily runs, you can really set yourself up for a good and healthy run, which is what we all try to do anyway. Yeah, I think some of the important things are, you know, for me would be how to train to get better without getting bored, you know, doing, I know you've done with Ron, a lot of like multi-day, you know, multi-runs in one day or other things. And I hadn't really thought about that before, but I think that does make it nice. It'll break it up. So hopefully you'll give some tips that I can learn too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you'll just have to listen to all of the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so like we said, Ryan's already a runner. I'm a runner. And this is not just a show for beginners. So even if you think you know it all, because running is just how to put one foot in front of the other, have an open mind. I used to be like that. I always used to wonder why do people in their 30s get a running coach? Because it's not like you're trying out for the Olympics. But then I changed my thinking and kind of think about it as if I were going to a gym. You can go to a gym and have a personal trainer that just helps you perform your best. So to entice you a little bit more, we're going to have an amazing guest today. It's retired elite runner Ron Tab, who's been coaching also for 40 years. And just to give you an idea of how great he is, he used to coach Meb. And his ex-wife was Mary Decker, whom he coached all the way through her world records. He now lives in Florida, two miles from my house, and I got to meet him by chance. And he's been my running coach since. And uh, I'm a big fan of his because I like listening to experts. And he helped me improve my marathon time from a sub four marathon to a sub 320 marathon. So he really does know what he's talking about when it comes to coaching. So what is what did he run like a 209 or something? Yes, his PR was a 209. And that was back in the 80s. That's really fast. Yeah, it was when the world record was only a 208. So just think about that. I always think it's amazing that they're trying to do sub two hour marathons. And he ran a 209 in the 80s, you said. So it's only nine minutes. But it's been a long time and a lot of advancements since then. Yeah, just alone the running shoes, right? Yeah. He didn't have the 4% vapor flies or anything like that. He had no running watch. So all his training was, you know, by feel and with a pencil on a little scrap sheet of paper. What's but 4% of 209? I don't know. You're the, <laughs> you're the math person. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I'm going to just play this interview and uh, we'll chat right after. All right. So I'm here back on with Ron Tab. Ron, thank you so much for coming back on our show. More than welcome. <laughs> so, so I want to ask you a few questions about beginning to run or starting to run. And we're here talking about a person that is, you know, mid 30s, 40s ish. Obviously, as we, as you and I have talked about, it depends on how sedentary you have been. But we're just talking about the average person that has a daytime job, probably office job that tries to exercise, maybe does a little bit of gym here and there, but nothing very consistent. 
So going into that, the first question I want to ask you is, what do you need to start running? First, well, the first thing you need, um, you know, my recommendation is now if you're going to begin, uh, if you're a first time runner, you haven't, you, know, you have no clue what you're doing, you're out there. Okay, the first thing you do is you go to a, a mom and pop running shop that specializes in running. And you look for a pair of shoes that are going to be comfortable, uh, something that you know that you're going, you know, that, that's going to be injury uh, prevention, uh, something with a lot of cushioning, uh, something that's going to give you a good arch support. Um, and most of all, yeah, something that is going to be comfortable. So, and there's so many different brands out there that uh, have, you know, quality running shoes. So, you try several pair out. You know, uh, most mom and pop up, you know, uh, running stores will let you uh, try the shoe on and take them out and just, you know, take a little spin in them per se, um, just to see if it's going to work for you. So that's the first thing that you want to do. Then, uh, then you need to have comfortable running gear, you know, uh, comfortable shorts, uh, you know, for, for us folks in Florida, you know, you want something dry fit that's going to uh, let, uh, that's going to breathe. Uh, yeah. So um, that's pretty much it. And then, and then uh, I, you know, I, I definitely, you know, for my, uh, athletes, I like to see them with a running watch so they can keep track of uh, their performances uh, or their workouts. So that's about it. You know, um, you know, good running shorts, uh, good shirt that is um, uh, that breathes well. Um, you know, shoes that are going to be comfortable, and uh, a watch, probably a hat. Um, you know, for certain times of the year to keep the sun out of your eyes. Perfect. Okay. So then that person that is starting to run, how much is recommended? How much, how many days and for how long does one do that initially? Okay. And that's going to be uh, individual. Uh, it's going to depend on, you know, what your, if you have any uh, athletic background uh, at all, you know, if you've been, uh, you know, if you've played pickleball, which, you know, is popular down here or tennis, you'll probably be able to start off uh, uh, doing a little bit more than someone who's been sitting, you know, at their office desk uh, 40 hours a week and, and they've been inactive for the last 20 years. So it, it really, it's going to depend uh, on the individual. Um I've, I've had people in the past who have uh, just, you know, they've decided they wanted to try running and get into it. So, in fact, I just had this conversation recently with, a, with someone. And my recommendation is to, you know, start off. I, I recommend that you begin very conservatively uh, <clears throat> because if you try to do too much too soon, you're, you'll be uh, frustrated and uh, you're um, it's unlikely that you'll continue doing this so uh, my my thought is uh, you know start off uh, with a walk jog program where you uh, you get a good warm-up make sure you're doing your stretching uh, you walk uh, five to ten minutes and again this is this depends on the individual um, then you try walk or jogging for a minute to a minute and a half 
Then you go back into a walk where you let your heart rate come back down again. And, and um, then you go back into, um, you know, walk, jog, walk, jog. Then the next day, if we do that on Monday. On Tuesday, we decide that we're going to take that and use that as a rest day or a recovery day. Then we come back on Wednesday and we follow that up. So if you begin conservatively, and I would probably not recommend going more than 20 to 25 minutes for a newcomer. Okay. And um, this way, you're not getting in over your head. You're not uh, uh, frustrated uh, with um, or disappointed with not being able to go very far. Don't worry about time. Don't worry about distance uh, that you're covering. You know, the, the, the important thing is to get out there and, uh, you know, start someplace. You know, so uh, 20 to 25 minutes at the max, a day on, day off, day on, day off. And uh, you follow that program for the first couple of weeks. And you'll see, and you'll begin seeing that you're making progress after that second week. Perfect. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, and then when you start making that progress, this brings me to my third question. Is that when you know that you need to increase your running or when would you say is a good time to increase your running? There's no way to really uh, project when you're going to see that uh, uh, that. Uh, point in your running you know it's basically it's going to be based on how you are responding to the program that you're uh, that you're using so if you're using you know the uh, five minutes on a minute and a half uh, a minute to a minute and a half jog uh, you know five minutes uh, walking again minute and a half or a minute to a minute and a half so maybe two weeks you can start building or adding more to it but it's first you have to see how you you know how you are responding to that and that's when you make a determination when it's time to go forward uh, there's no set time uh, for that because everyone is going to be a little bit different um, because in two weeks if you're doing on off you know one day on one day off that's only seven days in two weeks that you're walking and jogging so I I would like to see, you know, uh, in the at the end of that two weeks period, I'd like to see how the individual is feeling and then make a determination if it's okay to begin going two days on and one day off. So um, it, it really it's it's going to be uh, everyone is going to be a little bit different. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then uh, along those same lines, say you've been doing this program for a while, you've been able to increase your mileage a little bit. Um, at what point would you say pace starts to matter? When should you care about how fast you're running? Uh, well, I think from the very beginning, you should be, you know, you, you want to have a, an idea of 
of how far, how much distance you've covered. I like going uh, to the track because the track, uh, you'll be able to get a, a very clear uh, idea of how much distance you're covering. Okay, so let's say that Monday we do, you know, a five minute, our warm up is for five minutes. We, we do a five minute walk, which more than likely you'll cover uh, in that five minutes, you'll cover probably, you know, if, if you're, if you're walking briskly, it will be, you'll probably cover a lap and a half. So that would be 600 meters. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then, uh, then you go and you'll jog for a minute. And again, it's going to depend on the person because a minute might be comfortable for, for one person and it may be very uncomfortable for another person. So it maybe we go, uh, you know, if, if a minute is too long, maybe we go 40 seconds, you know, to start off with just, uh, but, and if we've done this for 15 to 20 minutes or 20 to 25 minutes, count how many laps you've run or walked jog and then keep track, keep a log of that. Okay. So you've covered in that 20 to 25 minutes, you've covered a mile and a half. Okay, which would be uh, a good start. And then in a month, maybe we're covering two miles in that 20 to 25 minutes. So which, you know, that's uh, 25 minutes here and you've covered two miles and you've done, uh, you've averaged 12 and a half minutes a mile. Right. Okay. So you're basically saying keep track of your pace from the very get go, because that's another way of seeing your progress. Not, not necessarily pace, distance, how much you've covered in that time that you've been out there. Okay. So, yeah. So if you're, like I said, so if you're going, uh, you know, in, at the end of the month, if you've, if you're doing a 25 minute and you've done eight laps, you're, you've averaged 12 and a half minutes a mile. Okay. But you may have started off at 15 minutes a mile you know, with the walk jog because, and you don't even have to set a, a, a specific time for your jogging portion of it. You can run how you feel, you know, so let's say, uh, all right, so I'm getting back into running and, you know, and I've actually done this myself because, you know, I've been out of running for a long time. And so what I would do is, you know, I start off at, uh, you know, get my warm up, uh, start off and, you know, walk for uh, five minutes, and then I would start jogging uh, much slower than what I did when I was a runner. But I would, I would, uh, I recognized when it was time to begin walking again. You know, because your body will tell you it's going to dictate to you uh, what you can and can't do. So, um, you know, what I was doing, I got to where I was doing. Uh, two minutes on, two minutes off, two minutes on, two minutes off, you know, but I also had, a, had experience uh, with running. So I knew how to, uh, I knew what I was looking for. So for someone who doesn't know what they're, you know, looking for, and they don't have a uh, background or experience in it, then maybe you do set it where you're going, you know, a five minute walk and then a uh, 30, even a 30 second jog. You know, so most people can go 30 seconds without stopping. So, um, you know, if you are and another thing that will factor into this is, uh, you know, are you, uh, you know, if it's a if it's a lady and she weighs 120 pounds as opposed to a lady who weighs 220 pounds, 
there's going to be a huge difference in how far uh, each of those individuals will be able to go. So uh, the lady who's at 120 pounds, it'll probably be a little easier for her to go a little bit further. For the lady who weighs 220, it's, you know, she's probably going to have to walk a little bit uh, more before she can get up to where she can do uh, two minutes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So once that runner has mastered all that and has become a regular runner, let's say this person's been running for about six months, how long does it take to train for specific races or how long of a cycle do you recommend for a 5k, a half marathon, and then a, and a full marathon? All right. So you've been running now for six months. You have a pro, you, you're comfortable, you're doing uh, four to five runs a week. Uh, you have your mileage for your 20, between 25 and 30 miles a week. Okay. Now you want to, uh, jump in and you want to test yourself. You want to see where you are. You want to do, you, you want to, you know, put all of this hard work, uh, to, um, you want to put it to use now. So I like eight to 10 weeks, eight to 10 weeks for a 5k. What about, what's your, uh, I know the marathon and half marathon distances have completely different training, but how long should somebody envision they would be training for one of those if they're a first time half marathoner and marathoner? Okay. And they just started running. They have six months under their belt. Yeah. Running is a sport that's so individual, uh, individualized that it's really hard to say what, because what works for one runner may not necessarily work for the next runner, but for a rule of thumb, I like to see, um, you know, a good uh, six to eight months uh, of consistent base training is so important. If you're going to be a marathon runner, if you want to do a marathon, you really want to have at least, in my opinion, I, I'm, I'm very conservative, but I believe that you should have at least a year of running under your belt before you think of, of jumping up to the marathon distance. You know, Learn how to do the shorter distances first. Learn how to, uh, I won't say master, but learn, you know, there's so much involved with running to be successful and to realize one's full potential. And it, you just, it isn't something that you can do overnight. It's something that it takes time to develop because you'll make a lot of mistakes. The, the most common mistake with, with running is, you'll go out for for a, a six to eight mile run and the second half of the the run is a minute slower than what the first half a minute per mile slower than what the first half was and that's going about it the the uh, wrong you know the wrong way what you want to do what you want to in every workout that we do uh, we want to run the second half equal to the first half or we want to run the second half faster than the first half. Okay. And if you're doing a fartlek session, an interval session on the track, or if you're doing a long run on the weekend, you want to start off conservatively and then you want to be more aggressive uh, once you get to the middle part of your, of your run or your workout. Okay. All right. So what about strength training? Um, what are your recommendations for your athletes or for the new runners, actually, what they do while they start running? Should they be doing strength training? 
it's when I, um, you know, I, I, I was a runner for 40, you know, 40 some years. And uh, during that time, I did spend almost no time in the gym doing weights or weight training. Uh, that isn't to say that uh, you can't do that because I do have some runners who, uh, who uh, like to go to the gym and do uh, weight training. Uh, the weight training I did was always, uh, when I did do it, uh, it was always very light upper body work that I did. Uh, I wasn't looking to bulk up. I wasn't looking to, you know, put muscle mass on. It was mostly just uh, uh, upper body for, because uh, you, you are carrying your arms in a marathon for 26 miles. So you'll have a tendency to, uh, your upper body uh, gets tired uh, when you get you know, to that 20 mile mark, um, push-ups and setups. You know, I try to, uh, one of that is one of the things I do recommend, you know, for, uh, uh, push-ups. I like to see my athletes doing, uh, 25 push-ups a day and uh, 50 setups a day. And I like to do those after uh, my run is completed. So, I do like cross training. I like getting into the pool. I think that's, uh, you know, getting the weight off of your legs, um, you know, after you've done a, a 30 mile week or, you know, marathon trainers, you know, if they're putting in, uh, you know, 70, 80, 90 miles a week, you know, it's really good to get into the pool and just lets the muscles relax. Okay. Our last question is, what about weight? I know we've talked about it earlier a little bit that obviously the person that weighs 200 pounds is going to have a little bit of a difficult time compared to the person that weighs 120 pounds. So how much should people weigh ideally when they start becoming runners? I, 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 don't, I don't think that you need to worry about uh, what your weight is. Because running is going to, you'll find what your perfect weight is. Uh, you know, in a year, you're going, your body is going to change. Uh, your, uh, your body fat is going to naturally come down. Uh, I don't worry too much about what the, you know, what the weight is. I'd say, you know, pay attention to it. You know, weigh in on Monday, uh, on Monday, one of the things I always like to do is I would take my heart rate for comparisons. I like to see what my, you know, what my resting heart rate is on Monday. Uh, I would take and see how much I weighed on Monday. You know, I weighed when I was, when I was very specific about what I was doing running wise, I, I kept a chart. I kept a training diary of everything that, you know, that I was doing. I, at, at one point I kept a, uh, you know, in my diary, I even had uh, my new diet nutrition, uh, what I was eating and drinking. Um, but that's, you know, for a recreational runner, that's that's way more than what you really need to do. Uh, but it isn't a bad thing to do because um, if you, okay, let, let's say you've got a guy that is just getting into running. He's, uh, you know, he hasn't run or done any physical activity uh for the last 10 years and now he's now he's decided he wants to do something and yeah, he wants to run you know uh, the um shamrock 5k okay so um 
and that's his goal. He's got to bet with his buddy. He's he's going to go out there and he's going to you know he's going to, uh, you know he's going to beat his buddy. You know they've got a a, a, com- a friendly competition. Okay, so you want to beat this guy. You take your weight. You start off on day one. You know January twenty first, and you're going okay. So today I'm going to weigh in. I'm going to see how much I how much I weigh. You know I'm going out. I'm going down to a local running store. I'm going to pick up. You know, my shoes, my shorts, my watch, my Garmin, you know, my, I'm set. I'm ready to go. And now I'm all gung ho about this. And so let's take, let's, let's take your weight. Let's take your heart rate. Let's, uh, you know, let's get on it. Let's get on a program and let's uh, begin the walk, jog, walk, jog, uh, portion of it. You know, so we're going to do that. And, uh, the following Monday, you know, we're going to look back and see what we've done, you know, that last, you know, that first seven days of our training program, you know, going to weigh in. So we started off at, we were at 170 when we started. And then a week later, we look, we weighed in and we we're at 168. Your body is going to begin conforming to what you're doing in your your daily activities your daily runs your daily workouts so uh you know you and actually when your weight begins when you start feeling stronger and faster as that weight comes down because you know before you were at 22 23 percent body fat uh most elite athletes their body fat is you know four or five six percent on the male side on the women's side it's usually 9, 10, 11, 12%. Okay, so, but runners, what they find, what you find is that the runner's body weight uh, and body fat comes down naturally. So eventually it's going to, you're going to find a comfort zone. It's, you'll find where you are best suited to be. So, you know, if you're that guy that's 170 pounds and you haven't competed or haven't done anything in 10 years, you know, he's probably going to be able to lose 10 to 15 pounds and that's going to be his comfort area. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ron. No problem. All right. So thanks Ron again. So, and if you want to get in touch with Ron, you can email him at rontab at AOL.com and mention that you were sent by Letty from the podcast for a discount. And you like training with Ron. Yeah, I really like it. Um, Ron is super reasonably priced and pays a lot of attention to you. So I feel like, you know, no matter how fast you are or how slow you are or you think you are, he kind of treats you like an elite athlete. He pays a lot of attention. He writes your weekly training programs and he takes the time to call you during your training just to see how you're feeling. And um, in the beginning, it was kind of funny because I felt like he's been training all these elite athletes and here I am with my slow pace. But then he really shows an interest and um, you can tell that he does this for for fun and because he has a lot of pride in his work. He doesn't seem to be really excited about training aspect of everything. It's kind of neat. I think maybe he remembers the days that he was training and he likes to see other people progress and seems... Yeah, I agree. So what are some other things that you think beginner runners should know? I think it's good to know the equipment needed for running. I think it's good to know, I don't know, just general guidelines for diet, I guess. I think it's good to know, you know, a 
good training plan or how to progress. I think that may be one of the most important things so that you can run without getting injury and stay excited and see progress. Yeah, I agree. I have um, written down a couple too. You know, clothing, when it comes to clothing, we don't know when we start running that we should be wearing performance shirts versus cotton. And then uh, also running safety, not just from people that could mug you, but also from cars, because we see that a lot here. You know, people are not used to seeing runners on the pedestrian ways. And when they cross the street, people don't pay attention when they're driving. Yeah, I think for, you know, especially you, women in general, even more so than than males, but having, a, you know, some type of safeguards or knowledge of where you're running is important. Yeah, I just bought some running whistles. Did you see them? No. They're bright orange. Bright orange running whistles? Yeah. Hey, anything's important. <laughs> They're kind of flat and they have a little thing that you can hook them onto your clothes. And uh, it was an 18 pack on Amazon Prime. <laughs> you have 18 whistles? It'd be hard to use it once. I gave one to my friend Wes. It'll be birthday presents for the next three years. <laughs> Right. So, um, yeah. And, and those are our tips. Um, and you know, kind of like with shoes, um, not, there's not one size fits all. So whatever works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. We're different people. We have different bodies. We're in different phases of our lives and things, um, motivate us that are different. You know, we all have different goals. So while my training plan doesn't work for you, I think it's a good idea to have a coach in your corner um, if that's what you want to do, it doesn't have to be for racing, but just to make running your best experience. I agree. Yeah. So we're at the end of our show. Thank you for tuning in and um, stay tuned for next week's podcast where we talk about fueling 101. Have a good week of running. Thanks for listening. For training tips, previous podcast episodes, and fun merchandise for runners, please check out our website at wgtr.us. That's wgtr.us. And as always, have a wonderful week of running.